Hello, friends. Uh, this episode is going to be jam-packed. Get your brain ready. We're going to talk about Mutation Observer. Um, before we jump into that and to make it even more tight, Livewire just had its 15 minutes of fame between when I recorded the last episode and this episode. So literally, like just after I hit on, after I hit stop record, somebody messaged me about um, basically like Livewire. A bug in Livewire is at the the top of Hacker News. It's like 500. Uh, points on Hacker News, which is like absurd, an absurd number. Um, but I guess Hacker News is really infatuated with this deep, dark bug in Livewire that has existed forever. And I've solved it at times. And I wrote, I did a whole podcast about it. It's called Safari Sucks. Here's why. Um, there's a whole episode about it on this very podcast uh, last year in September. And I thought I solved it, but apparently not because um, it's at the top of Hacker News, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But at least all those people so there's people just kind of rediscovering the intricacies of the bug and even deeper stuff that i didn't even get into um it's crazy it is so stupid and crazy and safari is such a freaking oh i hate safari so much it is such a pain to work with it is the new ie11 and i mean that it is a i hate it we should all use chromium browsers at least it would make my life a thousand times easier and we would all be better off safari oh i hate safari so much okay Sorry about that. Let's move on. We need to move on. We need to talk about Mutation Observer. What did we, we lost a minute and a half. Ooh. So we just came off of the microtask discussion, this concept how, you know, first we talked about how JavaScript is more blocking and synchronous than it appears. If you do a recursive while loop or whatever, an infinite while loop, it's just going to hang the whole page. You can only do one thing at a time. Then we talked about uh, set timeout and how you can basically, basically say, you know, how the, the page is taking breaths. You know, and it, it's holding its breath when it's executing JavaScript, but set timeout allows you to say, hey, when you, you know, after you take the next breath and, you know, paint the page and update it, do this bit of work and then hold your breath again. That's set timeout. And request animation frame is basically that, but it's like, hey, um, after you take a breath, but make sure that you don't take too many breaths too fast. Wait like something less than 16 milliseconds to do this thing, whatever. Okay. Then we talked about microtasks and queue microtask and self-resolving promises that are basically like, hey, do this work after you've done doing all the rest of the work that you have to do right now, but before you take your next breath. So keep holding your breath to do this work, but let all the other work finish first. So self-resolving promises or whatever, any promise resolution puts itself on the microtask queue or just queue microtask the function itself. So if you haven't listened to the past three episodes, go listen to those. Necessary listening to get up to speed here. So the other mechanism in JavaScript that is really important when it comes to microtask queuing, or it's important to understand microtask queues to understand this mechanism. This, my friends, is the mutation observer. So first, what is mutation observer? It's a mechanism in JavaScript where you basically you type new mutation observer, pass it a callback, and then whatever, call observe on it and pass in an element. So you're saying observe all the mutations within this element and when a mutation happens, call this callback and pass a list of all those mutations so that, you know, programmers like me can look through that list and say, oh, it looks like a new element was added. All right, well, I should probably initialize that with Alpine. Or, oh, it looks like an element was removed. I should probably take down any event listeners it had on the window or something. So that's Mutation Observer um, in a nutshell. But here's the interesting thing. Remember the thought experiment where you, like, change a background color of a button in JavaScript and then you do an infinite loop? And how like the page is stuck with the infinite loop, but the background color of the actual button on the page isn't red. Because remember, it's holding its breath. It can't take a breath. So Mutation Observer 
whenever any bit of the DOM is mutated, so for example, adding that background red class would be considered a mutation. When does Mutation Observer fire? Does it fire right away? Like literally, as soon as you do classList.add is the next line, before the next line of code executes, does the Mutation Observer callback run? Well, no. Um, the other question, is it after the, the page takes a breath? So after it paints the background color red, and then, no. Well, you've guessed it. It's the microtask queue. That's when it runs. So basically, when a mutation happens in JavaScript, so you're adding an element, you're changing a class, whatever, that code is going to finish. As soon as that happens, a microtask gets queued. That mutation is sort of put inside a little queue in the browser. And then when all the code is finishing executing while the browser is still holding its breath, it's like, hey, before you take that next breath, now run the mutation observer callback. Now notify Caleb, the author of Alpine, of all the mutations that just happened in that whole line of code. So super important to understand. What this means is that if you, let's say a thousand elements get added to a page, that means there's at least a thousand mutations. And so what's that gonna do? If you have a callback that's looping through a thousand things and doing a bunch of complex logic on it, but not allowing the browser to take a breath, your mutation observer can have some serious impacts on the performance on every single action taken to a web page. So it is a dangerous tool, super dangerous, um, for, a, for a handful of reasons, and that's one of them. I feel like I could write a book on little odd mutation observer things that you can't really find anywhere on the internet, and you just have to find for yourself. For example, with mutation observer, if you move an element and it's the same object, same exact JavaScript object in memory, but literally you take it from one place in the DOM and put it in another place, the mutation observer will pick it up as both an addition and a removal. So you have to manually look through all the additions and removals and remove duplicates so that you have a pure, oh, this element was actually truly added to the page so that I'm not initializing something that's already been initialized without Alpine. That's one of the little intricacies. But there's so many questions I have about mutation observer performance. So at least now I understand the micro task queue and how that has performance implications with my callback. So like I shouldn't be doing dumb things like, you know, looping through something a thousand times and doing something expensive inside of it, because that would impact every mutation, right? Every DOM operation. Um, so there's those things, but like, what about mutation observer itself? Like what's the overhead of simply having it attached to the page? Oh, I also learned is it better? I did a bunch of benchmarking. Like I, I, I basically downloaded the biggest web page I could find with all its assets and started running these, these tests on it where I attach a mutation observer to the root, to literally the document of the page. Or should I crawl the DOM and listen to mutations on every single element? So we didn't get into this, but with mutation observer, you can either listen, you can tell it to only observe mutations to a single element or you can also say observe mutations to all of its children as well. Is it better to have individual observers on every element or to have one big observer? And of course, I would love to do one big observer. And I did find that it was about equal, which is, was really good news because I was like, oh, this will make my code base so much simpler to reason about. I can have one mutation observer at the root. So I did learn that um, just by experimenting because I didn't really find anything online suggesting either way. But... Uh, and then I left the problem alone. Well, I've just re... I'm throwing so much at you here. I just revisited the problem because I've been doing a ton of performance benchmarking for Alpine V3. And Alpine is a different framework than other frameworks. You're not... It's not supposed to be benchmarked like other ones. You're not... It's not managing a template like React. React is managing your whole app. It's managing every part of your template. With Alpine, you're generally generating HTML from the server 
whether it's a static page or whether, you know, it's a, a blade view or rails or whatever. You're using something else to, to generate all the HTML. So Alpine, when you run these benchmarks where you're having Alpine do its really only temp- templating function, which is X4, you're, you're basically um, benchmarking, it's apples to oranges, but whatever. I still want it to be fast. And it wasn't fast. And I've, whatever, I dug into a whole problem with Views Reactivity Engine, and then I had to implement a scheduler. So whatever, we don't have to get into that. Another problem for another time. But I did identify the mute, that the mutation observer was slowing everything down. So when you insert a thousand elements into a page, let's say it takes a hundred milliseconds. If you have a mutation observer listening at the root level, and the mutation observer can be doing nothing. The callback can literally be an, just an empty callback just by it existing and collecting and observing mutations. You're slowing the page down considerably, like by, by, by like a multiple of three or four. So if it takes a thousand or a hundred milliseconds to insert a thousand rows in a table, it'll take like three or four hundred milliseconds now, which is a huge tax. So I have this problem where I'm like, oh my gosh. Do I have to scrap the whole mutation observer strategy? Like, what am I going to do? Because I thought that I could just, you know, quote unquote, pause the mutation observer by not handling the mutations and just returning early from the, the callback. Not the case. Cannot do that because, like I said, simply by the observer existing on the page, it, it has a huge cost. So, uh, <laughs> so I had the stroke of um, insight that I was like, what if, this took me like two days, by the way. It's like, what if I disconnected the mutation observer? You can do that. You can disconnect and reconnect. What if I disconnected the mutation observer before I insert, before I make any DOM mutation, and then I reconnect it afterwards? Is that better? Oh, man, we don't have time for this. Oh, whatever. Okay. Well, I'll give you the long story short, I guess, is that that's what I do now. I disconnect and reconnect a mutation observer when I make any single DOM mutation in Alpine, even if I make a thousand of them and disconnect and reconnect it a thousand times in one holding breath of Alpine, it is like so much faster than if you leave the mutation observer running. Like it almost has no measurable cost. I'm totally be like baffled by this. And there's a really fun gotcha in there that I had to be a little bit clever and I couldn't just disconnect and reconnect. You actually have to Oh my gosh, flush a mutation queue that... What am I doing here? Thanks for listening to this. Hopefully you learned a few things about deeper JavaScript stuff. It's so fun. And it's it's just fun when you understand the inner workings of JavaScript more and more. Just like when you understand the inner workings of anything. You can use and abuse it at a much higher level. And hopefully you learn something about browsers and how they execute JavaScript and concurrency and synchronicity and holding your breath. Enjoy the rest of your day. See ya.